That's what we want to do. We want to look at this uh, first chapter of John, continuing the prologue. Uh, <clears throat> we're going to read verses um, 6 through 13 of chapter 1. We looked at the first five verses last time. We looked at the, the word, the logos. Uh, the Greek word logos is word, and we uh, we learned a lot about that, I hope, and uh, the word, the word, Jesus, we learned that that was Jesus, and Jesus was with God, and he was God, and we could say that he is God, not only the son of God, he is God, and uh, he was with God in the beginning, everything that was made was made through him, and there was not anything made that was made, that was not made through him. And so it says in him was life, and that life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. And so we looked at that introduction last time, and of course this is continues to be the introduction to the book of John, the prologue. But what a great, what great truth we find in this prologue. I mean, uh for us as Christians to, you know, to just think about all that God has done and, and all that Jesus is and all that he has done. Uh, there's so much for us to look at here. And so I want us to just uh, read this and, and begin to dig in and look at this passage today. Uh, John chapter 1, beginning in verse 6, There came a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light, so that all may believe through him. Uh, he was not the light, but came to testify about the light. I've repeated myself there, I'm sorry. Verse 9, there was the true light, which coming in the world enlightens every man. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for this word, and we thank you, Lord, for this uh great prologue in John that uh, has so much truth packed in it, Lord, that is unpacked through the rest of the book. But Lord, we thank you for this great truth that we've uh, looked at this morning, and uh, God, we just pray that you would help us as we look in and dig into it, Lord, and see all that you want us to see, Lord. Help us, Lord, to see. Help us, Lord, to be encouraged, uh, uh, by the truth that you bring forth this morning, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be encouraged by it and help us to see what you're calling us to do and calling us to be and help us to see all that you want us to see, that we may live for you, that we may bring you glory in all that we do. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time together. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> I love courtroom dramas. <laughs> a lot of you older folks, few of you are old in here, 
like me. Remember Perry Mason? He wasn't my favorite, but I do love courtroom, courtroom dramas. Uh, years ago when I worked offshore, my family had recorded a movie, Yes, in a VCR. Y'all remember that? <clears throat> Y'all do, but a lot of younger folks. What? A what? <laughs> yes, in a VCR. But it was a courtroom drama that they knew I would like. And when I came home, I watched the movie. Well, the problem was that the, that the VCR tape that they recorded on didn't have enough room on it. It got right down to the end of the movie, the punchline, if you will, got right down to, to solve the case, and it went blank. Well, I did watch the movie later, so I, you know, I did watch it. I did see it, but that was a great disappointment then to not see the end of the show, not see the case solved. Not, I love that kind of stuff. You know, in order, in order to win a, a case in court, the most important thing is the testimony of a credible witness, right? If the lawyer can punch a hole in the witness's testimony, or they can destroy the credibility and greatly affect the outcome of the case. And if they can catch the, the, the witness in a, in a lie, or they can bring up some dirt on the witness and destroy his character, they can destroy the credibility of the witness. And it, and it definitely has an effect on the outcome. If a jury is deliberating and one of the jurors say, we heard an eyewitness account of someone who was there. He was there, and he seen the defendant pull the trigger, okay? If that witness is a credible and the lawyer hasn't found a hole in his testimony, then the defendant is probably guilty. The testimony of a credible witness is powerful and hard to argue with. Wouldn't you agree? If there is more than one credible witness, well, then the case becomes even more powerful and persuasive. If the case is old and reopened and maybe the witnesses or other involved in the case have died, then the case has to be researched to get to the truth and see what actually happened. And that happens sometimes, doesn't it? We, we have shows like cold cases and those kind of things where they dig up the past, they open it back up, and you know, you've seen movies like that and diff different things. We have a witness in today's text, we have a witness, okay? The question is, is he a credible witness? Is he a credible witness? Well, we're going to see. Verse 6 says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. How do we know that he was sent from God? And how do we know that he's a credible witness? We're going to look at the testimony about John to see if he's a credible witness. And then we're going to look at the testimony of John to see he testifies about the light, Jesus. Sent from God. How do we know that he was sent from God? Well, we go back to another's testimony in Luke 1. I want you to go there, if you will. Luke chapter 1. There we have a testimony of the birth of John which is John the Baptist, as we're going to see. We have a testimony there of, uh, about the birth of John the Baptist. Well, just to kind of 
make a long story short, kind of, John's father, Zacharias, was a priest. His, his mother, Elizabeth, was from the priestly line of Aaron. And they walked in the commandments of the Lord, the scripture says. They were up in age, and Elizabeth was barren, and she had no children. They had no children. Zacharias was performing a priestly service at the appointed time. He was burning incense at the hour of incense offering, and a multitude of worshipers were outside praying at the time of incense. An angel of the Lord appeared to Zacharias, and he was gripped with fear. Now, he's in there by the altar, and he's burning incense, and an angel appears right by the, uh, the altar of incense. The angel told him, do not be afraid. Your prayers have been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear a son, and you will give him the name John. So he has specific instruction. Let's begin uh, in, in uh, <clears throat> 13. Chapter 1, verse 13 of Luke. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your petition has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will give him the name John. You will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he will drink no wine or liquor, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit while yet in his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the sons of Israel back to the Lord their God. It is he who will go as a forerunner before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the disobedient to the attitude of righteousness, so as to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So in other words, he's preparing the way for Jesus, okay? Verse 18, Zechariah said to the angel, How will I know this for certain? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God. I have been sent to speak to you and bring you this good news. And behold, you shall be silent and unable to speak until the day when these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their proper time. So, here we go. And uh, Zacharias, Elizabeth, Zacharias has a word from my angel. When Zacharias came out from the altar after the angel spoke to him, the people realized that he had seen a vision from God. They realized that he couldn't speak, and they knew something happened. Elizabeth did become pregnant, just like the angel had said. And about this time, the angel Gabriel also went to marry the mother of Jesus right after this and announced Jesus' birth. And after Mary's encounter with, with Gabriel, she, she went to visit Elizabeth, which was her relative, okay? So you see that John the Baptist is about six months older than Jesus, so, you know, humanly speaking. Look in verse 39 and continue the story. Now at this time, Mary rose and went in a hurry to the hill country, to the city of Judah, and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth, Okay? When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she cried out with a loud voice, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped in my womb for joy. 
And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. Now, think about this. Elizabeth could have known none of this, okay? You know, they had, been, they had just greeted one another. So she couldn't have known none of this, but she was filled with the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit revealed this, and by the Spirit she spoke all these things. And so, uh, you know, so John the Baptist, in her womb, leaped for joy when she heard the mother of Jesus, Mary, she leaped for joy. And then uh, Elizabeth testified um, about the Lord. She realized that Jesus was in Mary's womb. She didn't know this before, but the Spirit revealed it to her. And you know, <clears throat> think about this though. We're, hey, we're, really, we're looking for testimony. We're looking for credible witnesses, okay? And where did this story come from? And, and how do we know that it's true? Well, I want you to look back in Luke chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. And I want to show you something. Insomuch, Luke says, insomuch as I have undertaken to compile an account of the things accomplished among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses. Remember? That makes a credible witness, doesn't it? Eyewitnesses and servants of the word. It seemed fitting for me as well, having investigated everything carefully from the beginning, to write out to you in consecutive order, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the exact truth about the things you have been taught. So what we see here is a testimony about the testimony of John the Baptist that he was born and that he was sent from God. He was sent from God. And... Uh, John was definitely sent by God and, and, and filled with the Spirit while still in his mother's womb. Also, think about this. He fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah and Malachi. Think about that. He fulfilled prophecy. What else do we know about John? Well, I want to look. Look, we're building a case here, okay? We're building a case. that It would be undeniable. After we build this case, it would be undeniable. If you believe it, you'll just, if you don't believe it, you'll just have to reject it because the facts will be there, okay? Matthew chapter 3, Matthew chapter 3. Now, of course, this is when John the Baptist was an adult. We see his birth. We see that he was filled with the Holy Spirit in, while still in his mother's womb. And we understand that by Elizabeth being filled with the Spirit and prophesying about Jesus, whom she didn't know about. So, hey, uh, this is this is proof. This is proof. Matthew chapter three. Now in those days, John the Baptist, and here he is, came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, "Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand." Now I want to tell you about John the Baptist. Not everybody liked him, okay? He was a hellfire and brimstone preacher. He preached the truth in your face. He preached the truth. He didn't care who liked it. He just preached it. Uh, he probably wouldn't have made it as pastor of a church. He was the last of the prophets. If he was pastor of the church, they'd have probably run him off. 
But he told everybody just how it was. And uh, that's what we need to do. Amen. In verse 2 he said, Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is the one referred by, to by Isaiah the prophet when he said, The voice of the one crying in the wilderness, Make, make ready the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John himself had a garment of camel's hair and leather belt around his waist and his food was locust and wild honey. That may have been another reason nobody wanted to be around him or nobody didn't like him. He was kind of weird. Uh, he had weird clothes and he ate weird stuff, okay? <laughs> but then Jerusalem was going out to him and all Judea and all the district around the Jordan. Now, the thing is, he might have been weird. They may not have liked him the way he preached or whatever, but they knew that he told the truth. And because of that, people were going out to him in groves, okay? Multitudes of people going out to hear John preach. And verse 6, they were being baptized by him in the Jordan River, and they confessed their sins. But when, when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, you brood of vipers, in today's language, you bunch of snakes. Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. In other words, there, there should be fruit in your life showing that you have actually repented. Okay? And, you know, he wasn't going to have any fake people running around. They wanted to come around, be baptized, and think, you know, they've done their little thing. They were legalists anyway. And so they want to just do their little thing and uh, keep moving the same way where they were moving and keep doing the same things they were doing. But Jesus nailed them to the wall and John the Baptist nails them to the wall here. Verse 9, And do not suppose that you can say, say to yourselves, We have Abraham for our father. They were Jews. You know, we have Abraham as our father. You know, nobody, you know, we're the greatest. For I say to you that from these stones, God is able to raise up children of Abraham. <laughs> and that's true. He says in verse 10, the axe is already laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that does not bear fruit, bear good fruit, is cut down and thrown into the fire. That's a clear reference to hell. Verse 11, as for me, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, and I am not able, I, I, I am not fit to remove his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And his winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clear the, his threshing floor, and he will gather his wheat into the barn, and he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Now that's a clear reference to heaven and hell, okay? Heaven and hell. And, uh, and the judgment. Verse 13, then Jesus arrived from Galilee at the Jordan, coming to John to be baptized by him. But John tried to prevent him, saying, I have need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it at this time, for in this way it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he permitted him. After being baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and lighting on him. And behold, a voice out of the heaven said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. So you see there, we see, we, we're understanding who John is. 
and why he came. And we can see that, you know, even from his birth that he was he was special. He was sent by God. And as he started his ministry, we see that he was sent by God. I would say that we have a very credible witness, a very credible witness in John the Baptist. But John came as a witness to testify about the light. We know from last time that the light is Jesus, the word, the logos. He himself said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. John 8, 12. He came as a witness to testify about Jesus. Why? So that all might believe through him. In other words, through the testimony of John, that people would believe in Jesus. Okay? Are there other witnesses to testify to what John witnessed? That Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, the Savior of the world. Yes, there is. There's more witnesses, okay? Look, if you will, in uh, John 5.33. Beginning in John 5.33. John chapter 5. Beginning in verse 33. Now I'm going to go through this. He gives the witness of John here. The testimony of John. You have sent, you have sent to John and he testified to the truth. But the testimony which I receive is not from man. But I say these things so that you may be saved. He was a lamp that was burning and was shining and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. So he talks about John the Baptist again, his testimony. This is Jesus talking now and he talks about his testimony. He said, I tell you these things so that you be saved. He said, Jesus is saying, I don't need the testimony of John the Baptist. I don't need man's testimony for it to be valid, what I say to be valid. I don't need that. But he says, I tell you these things because you were, you were looking to John. I tell you these things so that you can be saved. So that you can be saved. And so we have the testimony of John. Well, in verse 36, we have the testimony of, of Jesus' works. Okay? But the testimony which I have is greater than the testimony of John. For the works which the Father has given me to accomplish... The very works that I do testify about me that the Father has sent me. Is that true? Well, the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, and dead people are raised, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. I would say that that's true. I would say that that's valid. The works that Jesus did testify to who he is. He also has the witness of the Father. Verse 37, and the father who sent me, he, te he has testified of me. You have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his form. You do not have his word abiding in you for you do not believe him whom he sent. In other words, Jesus, he's saying, you don't believe me and the father sent me. What did he say at the baptism? We read it just a minute ago. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. 
So we have a, the validation, the confirmation from God the Father from heaven at the time of Jesus' baptism. Not only that, when, when Jesus took Peter, James, and John up on the uh, Mount of Transfiguration, when they were up there, there was a voice from heaven that spoke, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. So we have another validation from the Father, a testimony from God the Father that this is my son, Jesus, the Savior of the world. And then in verse 39, he says, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. It is these that testify about me. And you are unwilling to come to me so that you may have life. Now, believe me, I'm all about the word. I think the word of God is so important. Extremely important. But the word of God by itself doesn't save us. The word of God points us to Jesus, the Savior of the world. And that's what saves us, right? So the testimony of the word of God also testifies to who Jesus is. Not only that, if you look at the last part of that chapter, at verse 45, he said, Do not think I will accuse you before the Father. The one who accuses you is Moses. What? Now he's talking to these Jewish leaders, okay? who really don't believe. They're just a bunch of legalists who, uh, you know, uh, mislead the people <laughs> uh, and a lot of other things. He said, the one who accuses you is Moses in whom you have set your hope. There's nothing really wrong with that. He says in verse 46, for if you believe Moses, if you believe Moses, you would believe me. For he spoke about me. Now, you know, if they're so set on Moses and Moses spoke about Jesus, then they ought to believe in Jesus, right? But they didn't believe in Jesus. They didn't believe in Jesus. He said, but if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? Now, if you look in John 145, back up a few pages, in John 145, when Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. He said, we found him, the Messiah, the one spoken of. We found him. And, you know, so he's telling, he's telling Nathanael about that. Now, where, where, did, it, where did the law talk about Jesus? Look in Deuteronomy chapter 18. Deuteronomy chapter 18. In Deuteronomy 18 verse 15, God tells Moses, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me. Well, this is Moses speaking to the people. The Lord your God will raise up you a prophet like me from among you, from your countrymen, you shall listen to him. And then in verse 18, he says, I will raise up a prophet among you, uh, among their countrymen like you, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak them, speak to them all that I command him. So here he's talking about Jesus. And the Jews had kind of messed all this up. And they even asked John, and we'll see later, they asked John the Baptist, you know, are you the prophet? 
You know, are you the Messiah? No. Are you the prophet? This is what they're talking about here. Uh, but this is clear reference to Jesus. Why? Because Jesus said so. <laughs> that's all. That's all I need. And um, so, uh, you know, the, this is the testimony of all of those: God, the Scriptures, uh, Moses, uh, the writings. Also, if you look in chapter Luke, chapter twenty-four. Luke chapter 24, and y'all remember the story of the two men on the road to Emmaus, and Jesus came up and spoke to them, and they were all bummed out because they said, we thought this was the Messiah, uh, but he hung on the cross, and, and he died, and uh, they said he was going to be raised up today, but I don't know, you know, and they were just all discouraged and bummed out, and Jesus came up and began to talk to them, and uh, he says in verse 25 of Luke 24, he said to them, O foolish men and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets had spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself and all the scriptures. And so look at the testimony that we have of who Jesus is. Look at all the testimony we have. Even later, when the two men uh, walking on the road to Emmaus, when they got back to where the other disciples were, Jesus showed up there when they were all together. And he tells them in verse 44, Now he said to them, These are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all the things which were written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead on the third day, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sin would be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. So he, he what he does, he opens the scripture. He opens the scriptures to the two men from Emmaus. Then he opens the scriptures to all of them together. And he tells them that, all of this in Moses, the, the books of the law, all of this is about me. In the book of Moses, in Psalms, in the prophets. Basically, he said, the Old Testament is about me. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, I did not, uh, I did not come to, uh, uh, to destroy the law or you know, abolish the law. I came to fulfill it. And that's exactly what Jesus does. Either directly or indirectly, he fulfills everything in this Bible. He does. He fulfills everything in this word. Either directly or indirectly. What a, what a witness we have. Yeah. Are there any more witnesses? Are there any more witnesses? Well, yeah, let's look at one more here. 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. <clears throat> John, who also wrote John that we're preaching out of, he says, What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life, and the life was manifested, and we have seen and testify and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father, and was manifested to us. What we have seen and heard we proclaim to you also. So that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed our fellowship is with the Father. And with his Son Jesus Christ. 
These things we write so that our joy may be made full or complete. So John testifies, look, he says, we've heard him, we've seen him with our eyes, we looked at him, we touched him with our hands, we were with them, we are eyewitnesses. Finally, 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 I know y'all ready for me to bring this to a close. <laughs> finally, is there any more witnesses? Yes, there is. First Corinthians 15, the Apostle Paul says, now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, in which you also stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast to the word which I preach, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, and then to the twelve, after that, he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep, in other words, died. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, as one untimely born, he appeared to me also. For I am the least of the apostles and not fit to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And by his grace toward me did not prove in vain, but I labored even more than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God in me. So we do have another testimony. You know, not only did all the disciples see him, was with him, touched him, seen him, heard him, not only that, but, you know, the two men to Emmaus. Not only that, 500 others, 500 witnesses, Testify to who Jesus is and to the gospel. We have all of this, you know. And then someone comes along and says, oh, I don't believe in God. I don't believe in Jesus. I don't believe the Bible. It's old, irrelevant, full of mistakes. That's a fool. That's a fool is what that is. He hasn't looked at the evidence. He's just talking off the top of his head. He hasn't looked at the evidence. We have all these eyewitnesses account of Jesus and the word of God, which is tried and true. The evidence is massive, overwhelming. If all of this would appear in a courtroom today, the judge would say, case closed. Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God, the savior of the world. We are also, we, we, not only John, we are also witnesses. We are not eyewitnesses, but think about this. We have a record which is undeniable, a record undeniable from eyewitnesses. And therefore, we can be sure of what we testify to is true because we have this, uh, you know, credible record of the eyewitnesses that were with Jesus. So we can testify about him. Jesus said before he sent into heaven, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit come upon you and you shall be my witnesses. Witnesses. We are witnesses to testify about Jesus. We are witnesses so that all may believe. And you know, a lot of times we, you know, I just, 
I want to know the will of God. I want to know the purpose of God for my life. Here it is. You are to testify of who Jesus is to everyone that you can. Because you have a valid witness. You have a valid testimony. And therefore, you as witnesses can also tell others about Jesus. You know? And it's not just, you know, going through a track or, you know, giving the Roman road or whatever. But it's having a discussion with people about Jesus. He's real. I mean, he was really here. He really came. And he's really coming again. And we need to have a discussion with people about that. We need to be witnesses and testify. You know, the testimony about Jesus is the same today. Jesus came into the world. The world was made through Jesus. The world did not know him, and a lot of people still don't know him. He came to his own, his own people, you know, the Jews. You know, Jesus was not white. Jesus was not black. Jesus was a Jew, humanly speaking. And so he came to his own people, his own nation, and his own did not receive him. And many don't today. But to those who receive him into their lives, those who believe in him, he, he, he gives them life. He gives them life. He says, but to those who receive him into their lives, he gave the right to become children of God, even those that believe in his name. And that's what it means to really believe. You know, anybody can say, I believe, yeah, I believe. I'm going to tell you the truth. Before I became a Christian, I believed in God. I believed that Jesus died on the cross. I knew all those things. I was raised in it, so I knew all those things. But guess what? They weren't making any difference in my life. I was going my own way, doing my own thing, and I wasn't listening to anything about God, okay? I was doing my own thing. And then I got saved. I really believed. I received Jesus into my life, and I truly believed in him. If you believe in something, it will change you. Just to say I believe, that, you know, you some mental assent to something, that doesn't mean anything. Oh, yeah, I believe, you know, and it, your life has not changed. That doesn't mean anything. You receive Jesus into your life, and you believe in him. All that he did, all that he said, and all that he said, he expects us to obey. And if we say we believe in him, you know, then we try to follow him and obey him. Amen? That, that's the way it works. You know, it's easy to say, I believe. But all those who believe, those who received him, he gave the right to become children of God. And they were born of God. Now, this is where we get the first, um, you know, idea that, you know, being born again. They're born of God. And what, what does John say? Uh, <clears throat> John says, we'll read it so I don't misquote it. He says, who were born he said, I'm not talking about born by blood. I'm not talking about the will of the flesh. I'm not talking about the will of man, but born of God. And that's what happened. We're born physically, humanly. We're born into this world. And then we are born again by the Spirit of God. That's when we receive Jesus as our Savior and believe in him with all our hearts. 
That's what it means to truly believe. The question we could pose here as we close is, are you born again? Are you born again? Have you received Jesus into your life? Do you believe in him with all your heart? You know? And if so, you have a testimony in you that you can share with the world, anyone. And don't let them give you any baloney like, oh, well, I don't believe it all. You can't, <laughs> you know, you can't believe all that. Yes, you can. We just seen that, it, that, that the testimony is unmistakable, undeniable. So you can confidently tell people about Jesus. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for your time together. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the blessings.